On this episode of Recruiting Hell, we'll look at the tools you need to brush off, brush up, and relaunch. So the question you might be asking yourself is, well, Rob, why is it so important to get this going on day one? And that's because you don't want any interruptions in your cash flow situation. You might have one more paycheck coming from your recently separated employer. You know, they might have uh, you know, next week's paycheck or whatever it might be, but then there's nothing left. And to make sure that, that you don't have an interruption in being able to pay people that you owe money for heating or whatever it might be to, make sure you get this done lickety-split. The important thing is to know that states have bureaucracy. The last time I applied for an unemployment claim, things took about two weeks, and that was basically in a perfect situation. Now. But as of this recording right now, most states have unemployment claims at unprecedented levels. It's breaking their systems. And I saw in uh, Politico the other day, they estimate that between 20 and 25% or between one in four and one in five Americans are out of a job right now. And that's, that's nuts. That's almost Great Depression era levels of unemployment. Hello, and welcome to Recruiting Hell. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. This is episode two, and I'm proud to report that in the time between this episode and the last, I've kept at my wheel of momentum for the show, as I mentioned in episode one. Now, speaking of that episode, uh, there are parts of this episode that are designed to dovetail into portions of episode one in deeper detail, or I'm going to be using them as a jumping off point for other aspects of this episode. So if you haven't listened to episode one just yet, it might be a good time to go and do that. But of course, hey, it's a free country. Do what you want. I'm just glad you're here. Now, as a reminder, recruiting hell is that frustrating place that many people find themselves in right now, thanks to a combination of economic, social, and at the time of this recording, viral factors that are making the job hunt incredibly difficult for so many people right now. Before we get started, there is a quick disclaimer I do want to add before going further. Since at the time of this recording, again, we're seeing the states reopen from the coronavirus quarantine, there are going to be things that I suggest to do in this and future episodes that may reference meeting people at events. There may not be events going on, I don't know, but please do know that I take the threat of getting others sick very seriously and that I'll be making an attempt to provide strategies for you for the normal world as well as the world with COVID quarantines in it. So while COVID is working about, please kindly take all necessary precautions to slow the spread of this virus while job hunting because other people's lives and loved ones may depend on your abundance of caution. So thank you. Now that that's all out of the way, we can go to a slightly happier topic here. There is a reminder that this show exists to help you find meaningful employment and life fulfillment in three ways. Number one, we're here to keep you sane and to give you ways to help you self-care during this challenging time in your life. Number two, we're here to show you the pitfalls. We're here to help you find better opportunities by not making the same mistakes I did or maybe somebody else who's on the show did. Number three. We want to level up your job searching skills so you can find something that you enjoy and that you actually want to do. 
So today's episode you'll you'll see is called Brush Off, Brush Up, and Relaunch. And it's a three-step process that I've had to go through a couple times in my life. And it starts off on day one of being unemployed. And that attitude from day one is sort of a, well, this sucks. I don't have a job to go to anymore. And picking yourself up up off the ground from from this bad day is is kind of where I want to start this. So if you reference the last episode, you'll remember that the best piece of advice I ever received from being fired or unemployed came from my wife. She had been my wife for, I think, three months at the time. And she said, you have the weekend to mope. But on Monday, I don't want to hear anything else negative about this. And that was a real hard pill to swallow because it was a very emotional time for myself having been fired for the first time. So number one thing that you need to do on day one is what I call the brush off. Do something that makes you happy and feel worthwhile on this day. Maybe it's playing a game you like or going for a run or whatever you know kind of floats your boat there. And there are a bunch of proverbs and movie lines about, you know, you got hit and getting hit getting back up is up to you and you know falling six times and rising seven. You get the picture. This is that moment for you where you need to rise, jump on it. So step one of this is to get comfortable with your current situation because you may be here a while. I saw some passing glance uh, at certain fields of employment where it's uh, it's taking folks between five and eight months to find a new job that they're qualified for these days. Uh, I don't have the actual research or anything like that cited, but I did see that in passing and we'll use it as an anecdotal for right now. But you might be here a while. So step one is again, get comfortable with where you're at. We talked in episode one about finding out how long you can survive unaided with zero income and making your first round of cuts to your discretionary spending. Make sure you don't cut everything because then you'll go crazy. So day one is a perfect time to do this and give yourself some task to accomplish while you're figuring out how good or how bad things are from your new unemployed situation. So if you find yourself in a position where you're short on funds because you don't have savings, this segment is so important for you to have you move as fast as possible to get help from your local and state agencies to get a cash flow of sorts back into your life for the short term. So while we're going to likely do a whole set of episodes on applying for unemployment and the other types of assistance that are available from the state and from local agencies, we're going to touch on two of the biggest things with an overview that can help provide you some immediate relief for you and your family in this situation today. Uh, number one is the simplest, the easiest, the most obvious. It's unemployment benefits. And it might be called something slightly different in your state, but this is the building block of your time out of the workforce. This is the big, the multi-tool, the Swiss Army knife, uh, if you will, to help you pay rent and bills and so much more. And it's also, at least in my state, a great way to help build job search habits. Unemployment here in Wisconsin requires mandatory job search and documentation of that job search. More on that in a little bit. But it's a great way to kind of set those habits. As you probably have heard, it takes 20 to 21 days to build a habit, three days to break it. It's good to get into that groove of finding job, looking at job, applying for job, 
archiving job, things like that. So your mileage may vary with your own local resources. I happen to have pretty great ones here in Wisconsin. But suffice to say, every state has some sort of program to help folks who have found themselves unemployed, which is just great. So the question you might be asking yourself is, well, Rob, why is it so important to get this going on day one? And that's because you don't want any interruptions in your cash flow situation. You might have one more paycheck coming from your recently separated employer. You know, they might have uh, you know, next week's paycheck or whatever it might be, but then there's nothing left. And to make sure that, that you don't have an interruption in being able to pay people that you owe money for heating or whatever it might be to, make sure you get this done lickety split. The important thing is to know that states have bureaucracy. The last time I applied for an unemployment claim, things took about two weeks, and that was basically in a perfect situation. Now. But as of this recording right now, most states have unemployment claims at unprecedented levels. It's breaking their systems. And I saw in uh, Politico the other day, they estimate that between 20 and 25%, or between 1 in 4 and 1 in 5 Americans, are out of a job right now. And that's that's nuts. That's almost Great Depression-era levels of unemployment. And I did a quick Google search to see if I could corroborate that Politico number. And Google came up with 14.7% unemployment for April 2020, which I have no doubt will rise somewhere into the low 20s at the very least uh, here as May draws to a close here and some new numbers become available from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. So this is so important because it may take you time to get your application through the system. And, and as of right now, as of this recording, it will. Again, under ideal, ideal situations, you can usually get one or, one or two weeks, but Right now, it's not ideal. And again, getting things started so you don't have interruptions in cash flow is super important. Now, where, where do you find this thing is the question. So unemployment, where do I get it from? These are usually from your state's Department of Workforce Development or some other agency that has a really similar name. Plugging it into Google, searching for California unemployment and Illinois unemployment brought some results to the top of my search page that just, you know, click on them and it led to the correct agency for those states. Bear in mind that there might be actually multiple steps for an application, uh, which again, why you should get it going so quickly. These may even include a phone conversation with an agent of that department and may require documentation uh, of your search for new work, as I talked about earlier. And I'm going to harp on this again because this last bit, this documentation portion, is really, really important. You need to keep good records. I can't stress that this process enough for you because states audit their unemployment claims and I've had it happen to me. It's, it's kind of a pain in the backside. You archive every email confirmation you get for a job that you don't, you've applied to so you can easily present them to any folks who may be auditing you. Uh, before I was audited, which was at random, again, didn't do anything wrong, but just my number came up, I thought I kept pretty great records clicking all the archives and things like that. Uh, but even I had a bit of a scramble to find out what they wanted from me. They wanted some very specific dates, and it turns out I missed archiving a few emails that week. So had to really dig deep and find what they were looking for to prove that, yes, you can have this money that is coming from the state. So 
Again, make sure you do yourself a favor. Keep everything related to your unemployment benefits exceptionally well documented, whether that's electronically. And electronically is probably the way to go here because they will want email confirmations, things like that, to prove that you had applied for that job. But in my state, they take them via fax. So uh, bear that in mind that some of those bureaucracies do still use fax machines, even though it's the year 2020. All right, next on this list is is one that isn't for necessarily everyone, but if you find yourself unemployed and you have very limited savings or your rainy day funds are just not looking so great, it can definitely keep one aspect of life paid for, and, and that's uh, helping you maintain food security. And not knowing where your next meal is coming from can be absolutely terrifying. Now, thankfully, we have some safety nets there in the form of SNAP, or the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program. Uh, that's a federal program available in all 50 states. Uh, just a quick side note here. Uh, researching the history of SNAP was actually a really kind of nifty rabbit hole to fall into, and is a really kind of interesting read to say the least and diving into the history of helping the hungry in america uh, was definitely worth my time on wikipedia so might be worth a visit for you back on track here though uh snap uh, is very much like unemployment in that these benefits are managed by your state despite being a federal program and the program allows people with low or no income to receive what's called a SNAP debit card, which is loaded with funds to go purchase food. At most stores, this card is, is used at the register, just like a normal debit card. I know when I worked in, in retail, folks would come through with a SNAP card, scan all their items, you know, if they had 100 items or something like that, and then they'd scan the SNAP card through the credit card reader. It would take out everything that was food, and then they'd pull out their regular debit card or credit card or whatever, or cash to even up for the things that were not covered by SNAP, whether it's alcohol or, or things along those lines that aren't uh, eligible for a food stamp uh, type program. And actually, food stamp is, is a term I use there intentionally only to illustrate the, maybe the stigma that's around that. If you say food stamps, people immediately get a a really crummy image in their head. And I, I think that's a leftover from the 30s and 40s, which is just kind of a crummy thing. You know, everybody faces hard times in their life and, and having folks be ridiculed or, or looked down on because they're you're using a, a program to feed their kids or themselves, I, I think is something that definitely needs to go uh, by the wayside. I know that's an attitude that I used to have that I've changed over the years. And it came especially after working in that retail where folks would come through, do their, their food swipe, and then do their debit or credit card swipe to get everything going. Uh, it goes pretty smoothly, which is great. And we'll probably come back to SNAP more in the future when I have some time to, to research it a bit deeper to help folks if there is a you know kind of a demand for that in our episodes. But please know that if you are unemployed and you do have limited resources, that there is something you can reach out for for you and your family to help make sure that there's at least something to eat on the table, which is which is just great. Now, we've talked about a few of those programs that can help you, again, brush off, kind of get to that standing position again, if you will, in your life. Like, hey, all right, I, I picked myself back up. Things have stabilized a little bit. So what we'll say next is, you know, congratulations, you've survived day one of unemployment. You got your claims set up, and maybe you applied for SNAP or whatever it might be. Welcome to Recruiting Hell. It's your first day. You made it, and that's an achievement in itself. So day one was pretty busy, 
and likely a pretty hard push on that wheel of momentum I talk about in episode one. The first one of anything, first day of anything is always the hardest. So you may have spent three hours you know, with your state making an unemployment claim. Maybe you spent two hours with, with SNAP. And hopefully you spent some of the rest of that, that free time that you have doing something that you cared about or spending it with someone you loved. So again, take care of yourself, take care of the the essentials, and then it's a new day. And on day two, we're in a period that I call the brush up. So we had the brush off, and now we have the brush up. And right now, there aren't any time-critical tasks for you. But don't procrastinate on this. Don't leave this sitting. You'll pay for it if you do. There are no time-critical tasks for you to undertake like there were on day one, getting all those benefits set up. But this is a time where you need to brush up on your resume or your CV. Now, you've probably seen CV in job applications. And if you don't know, CV is short for Curriculum Vitae. Basically, it's Latin for life experience, if you will. And those two terms, Curriculum Vitae, CV, and Resume, are really similar enough to be pretty interchangeable in most cases. I mean, here in the Midwest, we say Resume. Somewhere else, they might say CV, but they mean the same thing. So we'll dive into resume writing with a a future guest. Actually, I just got her on board for a future episode today, and she actually did my resume a year or so back, and she's got some accreditation as an actual like professional resume writer, which is very cool. So we'll bring her on to get you guys some of the same tips I got when she took a look at my resume from a while ago and made it a heck of a lot better. So for now, on on your front, just make sure your resume is current. That's step one. Make sure that you've got... All your work experience on there that is relevant to the position that you're applying for. And updating this and maybe customizing resumes uh, will likely take a number of hours. It's going to probably take you a similar number of hours to get your resume really looking sharp that it did to get your, your benefits applied to that you did on day one. So looking somewhere between three and five hours. Again, formatting is super important as well as making sure that everything that's on there is relevant to the position. So bear in mind, you don't actually have to get a professional evaluation of your resume. And in fact, if things are are financially tight, just pass on that for right now. It's a worthwhile investment, but for right now, make sure that you're on solid ground financially. Uh, There's a bunch of services out there that will offer free looks from major job sites like Monster and Indeed. Uh, I found some value in them, uh, but I think that you'll benefit more from listening here and finding a trusted professional uh, if you feel like it. So what makes a resume current? I've, I've said, you know, make sure your resume is current. The easy part of that is making sure that it has all your relevant experience on it. Again, relevant is the key word here. So that job from high school where you mowed lawns, uh, it's probably not tremendously relevant unless you're under the age of 21 or applying to a landscaping company. At the same time, maybe it's it's good to mention that in your resume in a very, you know, brief way to, to get those on there. But if it's something that is so completely either out of date or if it's something that is so completely unrelated to the job that you're being interviewed for, it may be best to just leave it as, as kind of an annotation to say, yes, I am coming here to be a computer programmer, but over the past few years, I have worked in a bakery or something along those lines. So working for a company you know, and explaining those gaps is always a bit of a challenge, but if you have your answers prepared, you should be able to run through those pretty easily. Now, a moment ago, we mentioned format. and Format is so important when it comes to having resumes being correctly parsed 
by automated software like they are today. And when I say parsed, you know, there's programs out there that take the file that you upload and they pick out all the little words that they are set to have as hot button words or keywords. Uh, and then, of course, if you have enough of them, they pass it on to the HR rep. So keep things neat and organized, uh, just like your job search history should be. And be sure to leave adequate spacing for things like a personal branding statement or a self-summary, as well as a kind of a key achievements section, because this is the highlight reel, if you will. So without giving too much more of a resume writing workshop, each position that you've held should have three to four key points about the achievements that you accomplished while holding that position. This is definitely easier for some positions than others. So be sure to brainstorm a lot on this. You might have to bring out, you know, four, five, six different things and pick the best three for each job. And be prepared to take quite a few runs down memory lane to remember all the great things you did at the last job or three. You may even want to do that with somebody that you trust, maybe a former coworker or a spouse or somebody who knew a lot about your job, for example. You know, hey, can you remember some of the things that I did that were were really great? You may want to talk to somebody about that, especially if it's been a while since uh, you've been in that position. So here we are. We've got the resume looking sharp, and maybe we've saved it in a few different formats like PDF, Doc, and TXT to make life easier when you're running across all of those different resume scanners online. They want different file formats and things like that. So I would definitely uh, advise to make a couple different, I won't say versions, but formats, I think, is the way to do it because, you know, saving one as a PDF, saving one as a doc, and saving one as a TXT file can just help make your life a little easier, make you a little faster on the draw when you're searching for new jobs, when you're applying for new jobs. So the other thing, and this is one thing that I made a mistake about earlier. Again, this is part of the part of the reason the show is, exists is so that you don't repeat a mistake that I make or maybe a guest talks about. This was a huge mistake I made a few years ago. I actually had somebody ask me for my resume, and I didn't have a paper copy handy. I, I was at a trade show, and I, I looked at this and I said, "Gosh, I don't have anything for you. I, I'm so sorry. Can I can I email you later and things like that?" And I realized that I didn't have a copy of my resume on my phone. You know, we all we all carry around smartphones. You know, whether they're Apple or Android today. And having a PDF on there that you can zip into a Gmail app or, or something like that and say, hey, here's that resume you wanted. It's great. And I'm fairly certain that even if I had had a paper copy, that the guy I was talking to didn't want to lug paper around at the show that we were at. So had I given it to him anyway, he might have just thrown it in the, in the garbage. But it taught me that, hey, have your resume on your phone. And you know, setting up a quick email with that PDF is going to fix their request in a heartbeat and say, oh man, that's so great that you have that handy because it makes you look super prepared to a potential employer. It's a great idea. Uh, so make sure that you know you not only save that in multiple formats, but you save it in a format that is easily put on your phone so that you can distribute it at your leisure when requested. Now we're going to transition into the third phase, which is the toughest phase of this process, but it's also my favorite, and it's called the relaunch. So step one about relaunching yourself is to get your resume onto the following websites. That's Indeed.com, Monster.com, CareerBuilder.com, ZipRecruiter.com, and of course LinkedIn. You might also want to throw Glassdoor in there. So we'll, we'll call it the big, I'm going to call it the big five, but Glassdoor is more of a review site, so we're going to kind of leave them out again. Indeed, Monster, 
Career Builder, ZipRecruiter, LinkedIn. So these are the big five job boards, and it's a great place to get your resume out there when it's fresh. They're going to be your primary searching grounds for your immediate future for jobs. Uh, they're also probably going to be able to offer you the most and broadest results uh, no matter what you want to do in this case. So there will be times where you may look to find a like a niche job board, whether it's for a specific career or it's for a specific city. I know uh, around here in Wisconsin, we have like MilwaukeeJobs.com or I know there's like a Minneapolis Jobs, things like that. There will be local areas that will also likely have some opportunities for you as well. So get on those as well. But again, the big five uh, is where you want to be at at first. And you should always be looking for new places to put your resume. In this case, you never know what you might find. Based on that, if you have that out there, you know, you're basically advertising yourself. And everyone today has their own personal brand, whether we like it or not. It's not just an Instagram thing for those people who are considered, you know, influencers or things like that. But even if you don't have a true personal brand, you know, this is the Rob Conlon shirt or whatever it might be, you still have a persona that you project to other people when you meet them, whether it's digitally or face-to-face. And it's really important to cultivate that persona and that brand at every opportunity you have to interact with somebody, whether it's face-to-face or whether it's by email or some other electronic form. So brand building is definitely a deep topic. And we're looking at uh, probably getting close to the end of this episode here. But brand building, I think, is something that we could really dig into in the future to say, hey, this is, you know, maybe a series of episodes. A lot of future episode ideas in this recording today, and I think that's maybe three or four so far. But it's something, a brand is something that you can cultivate fairly easily nowadays with a few quick steps. I'm going to give these to you. Step one is to update your professional social media. Make it look make it look a little better. LinkedIn, you want to get on there, have a nice headshot, things like that. You can take that with a camera phone. Make sure it doesn't look like a selfie. Make sure it doesn't look like something that belongs on Tinder or Grindr or whatever er app uh, folks are using to find dates these days. You know, get that tidied up. Put on a nice shirt or whatever it might be. Do your hair nice and, and really get that, that LinkedIn photo looking great. Button up your Facebook privacy. Uh, if you're anywhere close to my age, you know that in the past you've had some uh, some escapades that got onto Facebook before the rest of the world kind of got on there. And buttoning that up to the rest of the world so that when you're when you're being considered for a position, it's not out there sabotaging you actively uh, is is very important as well. A quick story time with that. I was working for a company a couple of years ago. And we had a new applicant for our contact center. And she was, on paper, just absolutely fabulous. And she seemed like a very good fit for the organization. Pausing for a moment from the edit bay here, folks. Bear in mind that this was not actually my position to hire. I was just asked to advise on it. One of the other folks who was helping me do the hiring did a little searchy search on her And what I'm going to say next is not any way to get down on somebody for what their hobbies are. I don't care what people do in their spare time as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. But the organization we were working for had some very high standards for not only behavior, but there was also an opportunity which was not a good thing sometimes. There were also opportunities where customers would enter what is called like a parasocial relationship 
with employees. And that's where the customer thinks, you know, the employee is their friend because they talk to them on the phone or they interacted with them on the internet or whatever it might be. And it turned out that this person's social media was full of their hobby, which happened to be, I wouldn't quite call it adult entertainment, but it was, the photos were exceptionally what would be called risque. Lots of skin, suggestive poses. You would probably find it, find a lot of them in a, in a soft core type magazine. They, they weren't bad. They were not, they were very artistically done. But at that company, we had a customer base that was generally fairly conservative, kind of church-going people. It didn't play well, especially if they were able to link the fact that this person had this hobby of dressing up in a certain way to the organization, which presented itself as very, very straight-laced. And that was something that, unfortunately, we had people in our customer base who would, would make those connections very easily and spread them through our Facebook and things like that. So... I am sad to say that that person missed out on a great job opportunity because they didn't have their social media buttoned up tight. If I could go back in time and look at that again, I think I'd still make the same decision based on knowing what the organization was looking for and avoiding the online outcry that would no doubt come from folks who were offended that she had this this hobby of dressing up, not having much covering her. Again, to each their own, but it's probably not the best thing. So again, button up that security on your Facebook and, of course, Instagram and Twitter follows with that as well. Basically, anything you wouldn't want your grandma to see, get it out of there. That was a lengthy step one, and I kind of do apologize for that, but I, I thought the story did illustrate the point that this person was in high contention for this job, but the... Social media kind of sank the ship in this case. We're going to move to step two here. And step two is uh, using that social media to announce that you're looking for new opportunities. LinkedIn is ridiculously good at this. And while the platform itself can sometimes be that cesspit of people who just pump themselves up because they deal in influence and things like that, you're going to likely receive some great help from the connections that you actually have on there in spreading this news about, hey, I'm looking for an opportunity. Uh, so wait, wait, wait. You don't have a LinkedIn? Well, another episode just materialized. We'll, we'll definitely do some uh, LinkedIn best practices and things like that down the road. So hey, we're we're creating more content here from this episode. This might might even change the name of this to uh, to the brainstorm or something like that. But no, I think brush off, brush off, and relaunch is really the way to go for this episode. But lastly, and step three is find a positive way to frame your current work outage to the people you know in your community, and. That harkens back to the, you know, after Monday, new moping. Frame your job search as a new challenge, something you're going to take head on, take that bull by the horns, and invite folks to help you come tackle it. Tell people you're looking for an opportunity. A lot of times people are willing to offer advice and help when you ask them. They take that as a very serious, well, I'm very honored that you asked me kind of situation. Now, there's a flip side to that coin. Exercise a bit of caution when you do share your situation, as sometimes people have the best of intentions, but don't really do much to help you out, or maybe they hurt you. I find parents are generally the, the worst uh, with this here, because they love you so much, they just want you to be successful. But make sure that whenever you are out with folks, you're framing that uh, that job search as, yep, it's an opportunity, 
Do you know anybody? Do you have anybody who's looking uh, for somebody like me? The more people you talk to, the bigger of a pipeline you build for your job search, the faster it will go and the better it will go. Closing up here, wrapping up, we've just scratched the surface of the brush off, brush up, and relaunch phase in this episode. And keep in mind that brush off, brush up, and relaunch might be something that's repeated. Brush off from losing a job, you brush up your resume, you relaunch your your personal brand and your resume, and it falls flat after three months. Do it again. Brush off, brush up, relaunch. And I think Creating this episode, we've opened a number of new topics, a couple of uh, avenues that we can take for the show. And I'd actually be really curious to hear what you think either the first direction we should take is or if you have any feedback on the directions of the show so far. So as we're wrapping up here, there's going to be a few quick shout-outs to the people who make this show possible. Of course, r slash recruiting hell on Reddit. Love those guys. They give me a daily inspiration uh, to help folks who are looking for jobs out there in this tough market, seeing what the garbage that people have to deal with. Also want to thank Purple Planet Music for our intro-outro music. It's great stuff. I really kind of like the Western sound. And lastly, want to have you, you, the listener, take a bow. Thank you for tuning in. If you do have those questions, if you do have that feedback or comments on where you'd like this show to go, or if you have stories to share with us here at Recruiting Hell, you can drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at Recruiting underscore Hell. Again, underscore is that little line that's on the bottom. So recruiting looks like just a a space, if you will, with that line on the bottom, Hell. Uh, Again, I'm Rob Conlon, and until we meet again, keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint, and Recruiting Hell will be there to help you keep pace.